I'm going to be sharing with you some new options for live streaming your podcast. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 203. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I've often talked about live streaming, and I live stream all of the podcasts that I host myself, and I really enjoy it. In fact, with the Audacity to Podcast, I've gone back to live streaming the video of my recording sessions. So you could be watching this on YouTube right now if you go to the audacitypodcast.com slash YouTube. That's also where I do post produced videos in addition to my video channel that's available in iTunes. But the reason I'm back to live streaming video for the Audacity to Podcast is that I've had a MacBook Pro that could just barely handle the processing of live video. But when it would try to handle all of the processing that would be required for live video, it would get really loud and the fan would have to rev up in order to handle this intense processing it would do. Thus, I decided the effect on my audio quality was too bad that it really needed to be cut out from that. Now I'm through a long string of events that happened. I'm on a new computer that handles the processing a lot better, so I've gotten back into live streaming video. And along with this, the technology for live streaming has changed dramatically in the years since I did my mini-series back around episode 45 and so. If you go to the audacitypodcast.com slash live streaming, you'll see the original mini-series where I talked about why you should live stream or why you should consider it, some advantages, disadvantages, some technologies, how to do certain things, some things to consider. I did a whole mini-series on live streaming back then, and I recommended certain technologies. The space has changed a lot since then, though. So I've got for you several updated technologies for live streaming your video, for live streaming audio, and chat rooms. And these are things that you could consider incorporating into your podcasting workflow. Live streaming isn't technically podcasting because podcasting involves distributing downloadable content through an RSS feed, but you can live stream while you're recording. It's a lot of fun. It's really interactive, especially if you have a chat room going. Like I can see right now while I'm live streaming that uh, Philippe and Fred Castaneda and Jason Bryant are in there, and so is Daniel Johnson. I'm assuming that's Daniel Johnson Jr. in there, and several anonymouses in there. So I can see who's watching this and chatting with me while I'm broadcasting live. I might say something, and someone in the chat room will bring up a point, a question, something that I can realize that's a great thing that I'll address in a moment. But the most important thing as you're a podcaster is to focus on producing that podcast content. So here are first five core requirements I think you should consider for any kind of live streaming technology that you might implement in your podcasting workflow. Number one, it must be modern friendly. And what I mean by modern friendly is that it supports modern web standards. That means that it doesn't use Adobe Flash. It doesn't require Adobe Flash. It might be okay if it uses it on some platforms, 
but it shouldn't require it. And if it's further away from Flash, that would be even better where it doesn't use Flash at all. But it should also work on mobile devices because more and more people are now participating in live events from the comfort of their couch or somewhere else with a mobile device. So that's number one, core requirement that it be modern friendly. Number two, core requirement that it be easy to use for visitors. I really am passionate about the ease and simplicity of use for people who are coming to your site and trying to consume your content. I think any kind of live technology, if it has any kind of login required, which that right there might be something to consider not requiring, but if there's a kind of login, like for your chat room, that's very common, it should be a very easy login. There shouldn't be any kind of confusion about how to play back on the system. There are certain players out there that it's a little bit confusing. You press the play button and it plays the most recent video that you recorded live but it doesn't play the new live event when the new live event starts. And so the person might be watching something they think is live when they're actually watching last week's live event. That kind of thing isn't easy. Maybe something where it's just an autoplay option on your live page. I think autoplay is perfectly acceptable. And in fact, I would say make your primary player automatically play on your live page because people are going to that page expecting something to start playing. Don't make a sidebar or widget on your page with your video that autoplays. That's the kind of autoplay that's bad. If people go to the page expecting it, that's good. That's also making it easy to use for your visitors. Number three core requirement for live streaming technology is that it's embeddable and responsive. I highly recommend that you send people to your own slash live page on your website You're not sending them to some other service to say, hey, catch my live show here, and then you change services, then what happens? People are going to the wrong service, or they're going to the wrong chat room, or anything like that. Use a technology that's embeddable, that you can put on your own webpage. They'll commonly give you now some kind of HTML code, which you can just switch to the text tab in a page or post editor inside of WordPress, and it will allow you to paste in that HTML code and embed that thing in your page or post. But I think it's also very important in today's landscape of different sized screens and different devices that whatever code you're embedding on your website support responsive web design. Responsive web design is where the web page adapts its design and responds to the size of your browser. You can see this on many different websites. If you just resize your browser, especially the width of the browser. If you make it really thin, then you'll see the layout will change and it will look like it probably does on a mobile device. If you make it a really wide browser window on your screen, then you'll see how the layout changes and looks more like it would look on a computer. The technologies that you embed on your live page should support that kind of responsive web design where they resize automatically depending on what kind of device is being used especially if you're doing something like live video and a chat room, how can you fit both of those on a same page invisible on the screen of a mobile device? That's something you might need to consider how you change the layout or what you prioritize. But the technologies you use should account for that and should shrink down dynamically to the size of a mobile device. A really easy way to do this is if you get some embed code from different services, and you'll often see this, It will say in the embed code, you'll see a spot that says width equals 
and then some number, 450, 300, 600, something like that. If you can change that to 100% instead of just leaving a number in there, like 300, but change it to 100%, then look at your page and see if you can resize it or how well it resizes to different widths. So that would be an embeddable and responsive thing that I think is a core requirement these days for any kind of live streaming technology. Number four, uninterrupted by ads. I'm okay with ads on a free service, but wherever the ads are placed, they absolutely must not interrupt the content or get in the way, overly in the way of the content. This is something that Ustream has been known to do in the past, is that they would interrupt the content with ads. Some people would see that interruption at one point, other people would see it at different points. You as the host would have no idea when an ad would be shown. You would be talking, this ad comes in, it interrupts your content, and misses your content, because you will still be talking while the ad is going, and then when the ad stops playing, people come back and they might have missed point number four, because the ad was playing during point number four. That kind of thing, I think, is absolutely unacceptable for a live streaming service. You might be able to appeal if you're using a service that does interrupt your content with ads. They may have some way of working it out with you. If there are ads on the platform, any kind of revenue share would also be wonderful for you to make some money off of those ads that are displayed or how many people click on those ads or how many view those ads that kind of thing can be great on an ad platform that's number four uninterrupted by ads and number five core requirement for live streaming technologies is that it be expensive or free i know we want everything to be free but not everything can be free people have bills to pay Stuff costs money, bandwidth, technologies, servers, all of the stuff tech costs money. And we need to recognize that. And so the bills have to be paid in some way. And I think you need to be willing to pay for services that you use that help you build or engage better with your audience or just simplify your workflow in some way. I think live streaming can be one of those things that's worth paying for. And I'm saying under $10 to $20 per month is what I recommend for reaching your whole live audience. If it's $100, $200 a month, I think that's too expensive. Unless you're a major corporation with thousands of live viewers, that's when it might be okay to pay that much per month. And to you, that might be pennies. But to the rest of us, I think $10 to $20 at a maximum should be the goal. So I think the core requirement for a live streaming service, number five, is that it be inexpensive or free. These five requirements are, number one, modern-friendly, number two, easy-to-use for visitors, number three, embeddable and responsive, number four, uninterrupted by ads, and number five, inexpensive or free. Keep in mind that really the most important thing for you while you're live streaming is that you have a central platform where you send people to consume your content. That's why you're going to hear throughout this episode that I reference your own slash live page. Like I have the audacitypodcast.com slash live. It redirects to my Noodle Mix Network live page, but that's where the chat room is. That's where the embeddable video is. That's the central place that everyone goes. One chat room, one live feed. I have a couple options there that people can use depending on the show, but it's that one 
place. This removes the need to have to monitor multiple chat rooms or send people to different sites or services depending on what kind of technology that they're using. No, you're just sending them to one single place. It's okay if you need to do like an audio-only page and then a video page. That's why I have right now on Noodle Mix Network's site over at noodle.mx slash live. There's a video page and an audio page. Eventually, that'll switch so it's one page but selectable tabs. I really recommend that you have your own slash live page and then it doesn't matter what technology you use. So with those five core requirements in place and as our foundation for considering all of these other services, and I'd certainly love to hear from you if you have recommendations beyond what I share with you, here are my recommendations for live streaming video, live streaming audio, and chat rooms. First, live streaming video, I recommend YouTube Live slash Google Hangouts on Air. I used to use and recommend either Ustream or Livestream for live streaming video, but Ustream started interrupting content with their ads, and that was just unacceptable to me. And I see right now in the chat room, several are also agreeing that, yeah, horrible that Ustream started doing that. I understand their need to do that. You could maybe appeal in some cases. Livestream seemed like a better option, but they did two things that really bothered me. One is on my Rated G channel, they were displaying sexually driven ads for alcohol on a channel that's supposed to be appropriate for children. I thought that was completely unacceptable. They've since tweaked their advertising algorithm, so I wouldn't be surprised if that never happens again. But the other thing that they did is with their new platform is that they don't allow you to embed on your own live page with their free plan. And even when you can embed with their premium plans, you have to use a separate embed for each show. You can't just have a single channel embed. You have to update it every time you're doing a new show. And that really bothers me. But then Google Plus Hangouts on Air was introduced and brought some really great technologies that became available to masses of people out there who couldn't afford these expensive platforms. And then many of these technologies were carried over and YouTube started to offer YouTube Live, which is a live streaming platform. These technologies are very related to each other, but they're not the same thing and they're not entirely similar either. Let me break it down a little bit for you. YouTube Live is a live streaming service that can then be a broadcast destination for desktop software like Wirecast, Adobe Flash Media Live Encoder, and several other streaming programs and even hardware devices out there. YouTube Live can just be that service that handles the live streaming. You can also stream to YouTube Live from Google's own Hangouts on Air in browser app. This gives you features like camera switching, lower thirds, screen sharing, and much more without having to install a traditional application on your computer or have a dedicated hardware device. But Google Hangouts on Air is really the more accessible front face to YouTube Live. When you're using Google Hangouts on Air, you're using YouTube Live. But when you're using YouTube Live, you may not necessarily be using Google Hangouts on Air. Because Hangouts on Air, think of it this way, it's just another application that integrates with YouTube Live. YouTube Live is the core technology powering all of this. It's the back end of your live streaming event. YouTube Live and Hangouts on Air events can be scheduled in advance, and they'll both appear 
on your YouTube live page that shows your live upcoming events and current live events. And I think the beauty of YouTube live is its flexibility and its workflow. All you really need in order to embed a YouTube live event into a WordPress website is just the URL. WordPress has this thing built in called O-Embeds where it recognizes a media URL and automatically turns it into some kind of embedded object. This works for YouTube videos, for MP3 files, for MP4 video files, for other things, SlideShare and Vimeo and a lot of things out there. Tweets, even you can just paste the URL in its own paragraph and WordPress automatically embeds that in a page or post. And you can make that happen in widgets too, but that requires some extra plugins or maybe some extra theme development or something extra going on there. And of course, you can also have a standard embed URL that works then on any platform. And this is the HTML thing that you paste into an HTML editor of some sort, and then it works anywhere and on any kind of device the YouTube video will play. Using YouTube Live and or Hangouts on Air is also a really easy way to make video content for your YouTube channel. This is one of the reasons why I've gone back to live streaming video with the Audacity to Podcast is I want to build up the YouTube channel over at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash YouTube. That's the only place where you'll be able to see the talking head versions of my regular audio podcast that I'm recording for you now. But my videos that I produce where I'm reviewing a product, demonstrating something, teaching something extra, those shorter form videos will be on both YouTube and my iTunes podcast version of the show. I think the talking head videos will have a higher reach and retention than the fake videos out there where you're having just the audio on top of an image. That kind of thing, if you really look at the audience retention, you'll see it drop off significantly within the first 60 to 90 seconds. You may only have 5% of your audience left, if even that. But I think that this talking head format will have a lower reach and retention than produced videos where I'm showing something to you and you actually need to see it. That kind of video that I would call an actual video, not just a talking head video, but you're actually getting to see something. You can make your YouTube live events or your Hangouts on Air events public and findable where anyone who's looking at your YouTube channel can see it as you're doing it live or see it after the fact. But you can also make your event unlisted, which is where people can't find it by searching for it. They don't see it when they're looking at your YouTube channel. But if you embed it on a web page then they will be able to see it. Or if you give someone that link, they will be able to see it. Anyone who has that link or has access to a page where it's embedded will be able to view it. That's for an unlisted video. A private video is something you can also do with YouTube Live or Hangouts on Air where you can use the technology to stream instantly to YouTube, to record into a video, to get all of the advantages of Google Hangouts on Air where you have multiple hosts, the automatic camera switching and such. If you're using Google Hangouts on Air, but it's a private event. It's not embeddable. It's not open to the public in any way. Only those you specifically invite will be able to view the video or join the event. The big drawback, though, to YouTube Live and Hangouts on Air is that each event 
has its own URL, and thus each event has its own separate embed code. The way that you used to have to do this is if you wanted to have multiple live events, is you'd have to keep changing out that embed code for every new live event. I really like that when you schedule a YouTube live event, regardless of whether you're going to use Hangouts on Air or some other software, before you start the event, there's a countdown to the event. And that's beautiful. I love having that countdown there. So I actually go live when I'm ready to go live instead of having to display my own countdown. But the embed code switching can really become a pain. That's where I love this plugin that I've now become a leading contributor. I think I'm the only contributor at this point releasing updates to it. The plugin is called IX Show Latest YouTube. It's for WordPress. And what it does is it looks at one or multiple YouTube channels and looks for your latest videos and can display one or several videos at a time. Or it can also look at your upcoming or your active live events that are public. It doesn't work with unlisted events. It only works with public events, but it will then display those automatically. Currently, you would still have to refresh a page between events or your audience would have to, but you don't have to change the embed code because it's looking at the feed of videos coming from your YouTube channel and automatically switching out depending on which one is currently live and then which one is upcoming. And there's this whole waterfall of different things that might happen depending on how you use your YouTube channel. That then gives you a single WordPress shortcode that you can embed in a page, a post, maybe even a widget depending on how your website's programmed with WordPress. And it automatically switches to the latest live event for you. That is a huge relief to me. And that's why I'm now fully embracing and recommending YouTube Live for your live events. You could be using Wirecast or Adobe Flash Media Live Encoder to stream to YouTube Live, and that's fine. You're still using YouTube Live as the service. Or you could be using Google Hangouts on Air like I'm doing right at this very minute. I'm using Hangouts on Air even though it's just me. I could put things on the screen like lower thirds and such. I could switch between different webcams or share my screen, that kind of stuff. But right now I'm just keeping it very simple and using Hangouts on Air to power my YouTube Live event. So look at these technologies that are available and how you could incorporate then YouTube Live into your live streaming. I don't recommend that if you use Google Hangouts on Air, pointing people to your Hangouts web page. Depending on how you set this up, and currently, if you set it up as a default Hangout on Air and you invite people to that page, it becomes very unusable, even on a desktop computer, because you can only view the video or see the chat room in the same browsing window or tab. You can't do both at the same time. That's its default setting. The way that we've done it in certain past instances of Podcasters Roundtable is that Ray Ortega would embed the YouTube live event onto a page and people would be able to watch on that page. But when we do it as an actual hangout on air and people are visiting that event page, it does this whole weird thing where if you press play on the video, it displays the video full screen in the browser window and then you don't get to see the chat room at the same time. That's really a big annoyance that can happen when you're using someone else's platform. If you use your own platform where you're embedding someone else's technology into your own slash live page, then you're not limited 
by the way that these other platforms work. You can do what you want on your own page. That's how I use it on my Noodle Mix Network Live page over at noodle.mx slash live. I use the IX Show Latest YouTube plugin. It displays the latest live event, or if there is no current live event, then it displays the countdown to the next upcoming live event. So I really recommend YouTube Live for amateur live streamers as well as professional live streamers. It's very flexible. You can use better software to get better results, or you can use the software that basically ships with it, and that's Hangouts on Air, to easily live stream from your own computer inside a browser without having to install extra software, or much extra software, that is. Those are my thoughts then on live streaming video, and I fully embraced YouTube Live for that. If you want to live stream the audio, and I think this is a good thing to consider because you may not have the the technology or maybe the bravery to be on live video, I'd still recommend that you try it at some point, but an audio-only stream could be a great alternative for you. Also, an audio-only stream can be a great option for people that don't have very good bandwidth and they'll be able to listen to your live broadcast without having to need the high-speed internet to watch the live stream, which may be in high definition or anything like that. So on my Noodle Mix Network live page, I offer an option where people can watch the video, which is the default, or they can switch over to listen to just the audio. It's the same chat room between the two of them, but completely different technologies. That's another cool thing about having your own slash live page is that you can use the same chat room in multiple places so that people could be listening to the audio only version, but they're still in the same chat room. Here are my three audio only streaming services that I recommend. Number one, Mixler. This is really my top recommendation because it's a great balance of cost, quality, and flexibility. They offer a free plan, which lets you broadcast for up to an hour at a time. That's not just one hour total of broadcasting. That's per event. So if you have a 30-minute live show that you do, you have five minutes of pre-show, five minutes of post-show, that's 40 minutes, you'd be fine on the free Mixler plan. But you can upgrade to a premium plan like I use and get live broadcasting for up to three hours. That's plenty of flexibility for pre-show, after-show, all of that stuff, and your actual show. For $20 a month, they offer continuous, limitless live audio broadcasting where each event has no limit on how long it can be. This might be something if you'd want to have 24-7 live broadcasting from your site, which I don't really know why you'd want to do that, but you might have a reason for wanting to do that. And that's something that you could do then with Mixler Pro. But I like and recommend the Mixler Premium service, only $5 a month, or you get a free month if you pay per year. And you can check out the latest pricing for these in the show notes for this episode, number 203 at com slash 203. So that's my first recommendation for audio-only streaming Mixler. My second recommendation is Spreaker. Spreaker's live player now seems a bit better designed than Mixler's. Like Spreaker has an obvious play button. Mixler's player it's not so obvious what the play button is, but you can set it to auto play so people don't have to worry about pressing a play button. Spreaker can 
Do things like have a playlist of your previous episodes so people can easily press play on previous episodes. But there are certain things about Spreaker's live interface I don't really like. Their free plan currently offers only 30 minutes of live broadcasting. And for $5 a month, you get only 45 minutes of live broadcasting versus Mixler's three hours of live broadcasting for $5 a month. And this is per event, not total. If you upgrade to Spreaker's $20 a month plan, then you get live broadcasts that can last for up to three hours. Their unlimited live broadcasting plan costs currently $120 per month. So it's a lot more expensive but you may like their services better. In fact, something you can do more easily with Spreaker is that you could record your podcast, use them for your media hosting, and create your podcast RSS feed all with Spreaker, all from your live streaming. Makes it really easy to do this stuff. And you can even incorporate intros into your podcast episodes. So each episode gets a particular intro that is shared across all of them. I don't necessarily recommend this, although Spreaker does offer you the option to redirect your RSS feed so it's easy to leave, but this could be something you could potentially use to simplify your workflow. So that's my number two recommendation, Spreaker, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes for episode 203. My third recommendation is a potential recommendation. This is a runner-up or an honorable mention, and that is the new Yes, believe it or not, Blog Talk Radio. Right now, at the end of 2014, Blog Talk Radio is beta testing a new platform that dramatically increases their audio quality. So you're no longer limited to the quality of a telephone call, which is one of the biggest things that I had against Blog Talk Radio. But their cost is pretty high. Right now, Their premium plan is $30 per month. That's the cheapest option they offer. You can have up to two hours of live broadcasting per day, so it's not limited per event. You can have live callers. Uh, You get certain promotions through the live platform they have with Blog Talk Radio and such. Uh, It's not really in my recommendation at this price point. It's very expensive. But if you have a live call-in show, this might make more sense for you because eventually you'll be able to embed a live player on your website and people will hear you in crystal clear audio quality if you're using their new streaming platform that will eventually launch. But your callers can call in and you get this awesome call screening platform and everything. I think that's where Blog Talk Radio really dominates the space is its ability to handle and screen live calls and mix all of that together. That's really cool. So that might be worth it to you, but still, I recommend you point people to your own slash live page instead of pointing them to a Blog Talk Radio page. In fact, I'm commonly looking out there for opportunities to be a guest in other podcasts and interview opportunities, and now I have my assistant, Brian, handling some of that, finding these opportunities for me and curating them. And something I've told Brian, I know this sounds technology elitist, and it actually is, but I've actually told my assistant, if you see them pointing to Blog Talk Radio as their main website, don't even tell me about them. I'm not interested because I don't want to be in a show that the hosts themselves sound no better than the quality of a telephone call. 
Blog Talk Radio will eventually change that, though. I don't know if they'll change the prices. I would imagine they will, but we'll see. So that's a potential recommendation. So those three recommendations for audio-only streaming are number one, Mixler, number two, Spreaker, and number three, maybe Blog Talk Radio. The next thing would be a chat room, and I do highly recommend having a chat room on your live page. This is a great way to engage with your audience during the show. Be careful not to be distracted by this, though, because you could start chatting with people in the chat room, and because of the delay between audio and especially video streaming, it can get really awkward for the majority of your audience, those podcast downloaders and listeners. So continue doing your show as you normally would, but kind of keep an eye on the chat room. If you're able to do that, if you're not able to, be honest and just let people know before you go live, hey, I probably can't watch the live chat room, but you're welcome to keep discussing things in there. It's really fun for me with our live show where we'll be talking about different things during different podcasts, like our clean comedy podcast or our once upon a time podcast. I'll mention something And then when the chat room hears it about 30 seconds to 60 seconds later, they can respond to it, sometimes correcting me so I can include that correction in the episode. Or I'll see comments from people in the chat room and I can incorporate those as pieces of feedback into the episode while I'm giving the content. This works a lot better if you have a co-host where while the co-host is speaking, you can glance at the chat room While you're speaking, your co-host can glance at the chat room and you each kind of try to bring in the content from the chat room as is appropriate. And you have to be very careful with that. But I really believe that a chat room should be the only part of your live page that requires a login. And the kind of login should be extremely simple. I recommend, and you may disagree with this and that's fine, but I recommend that you allow people to chat in your chat room without having an account. Some kind of guest system where they can give themselves a name, but they don't have to create an account on any website or anything like that. But I do also recommend have a way that they can log in with a social service like Twitter, Facebook, Google, something like that, that allows them to just click a couple buttons They don't have to create a new username and password, but they're logged into your chat room. Their name may be brought over, their Twitter handle, and their avatar, and that can work really well for you and helps keep people more engaged as they get to know each other by name, by a consistent identity. So there are four recommendations I have for embeddable chat rooms that you can put on your own slash live page. Number one, chat roll. This is a primarily a premium service because the free version only supports up to 10 users. But chat roll, and I'll have links to all of these in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 203. Chat roll's premium plan starts at $19 a month, and it supports up to 100 users per chat room. It's a completely HTML5-based chat room system. And it provides some real-time analytics and all of these other cool features that work with it. It's very friendly to mobile devices. It's fast. It's easy. You can incorporate it with social logins like Twitter and Facebook. Or you can even use single sign-on where if your website has its own login system like a forum, then when people are logged into your website, they're immediately also logged into the chat room automatically. That's what single sign-on does. And I use that over on my once podcast forums page 
at oncepodcast.com slash forums if you want to check that out. Where people then log into the forums, they're also logged into the chat room. So their name in the forum is carried over into the chat room. Their photo on the forum carried into the chat room. It's very seamless for them and very easy to use. But chat roll could be a bit expensive. I've only just recently upgraded to chat roll because we met a Patreon goal for our Once Upon a Time podcast. We said that if we got to $25 per episode on Patreon, we would be able to upgrade our chat room. We've reached that goal, and now we can upgrade our chat room then. So chat roll is something that you can consider if you have the budget for it or you need some of the features that they provide and the experience, which I think is a very clean, smooth experience. I like the way they've designed their platform. My second choice would be Chat Wing. This is packed with features and customization. You don't have to know CSS in order to change colors, but you can change almost anything about this app. It's completely free for unlimited users, but you can add extra features or get more control over certain features by paying, which averages a dollar per month per feature per chat room. So you could, if you have multiple chat rooms, three, let's say you have three separate chat rooms, you could potentially have to pay $3 per month to get the same feature enabled or disabled in all of those chat rooms. For example, to remove the Chatween logo costs a dollar per month. To remove the watermark from each chat message also costs a dollar per month. So that's $2 per month right there to remove their logo from it completely. To do other certain things and tweak certain options may cost a dollar or not, but it's really a feature-rich chat room. There are a couple bugs about it that annoy me, but I would say this is probably the most feature-rich. You can use single sign-on, you can use social logins. It's the service that, as of December 15th, 2014... I'm using on the live page over at noodle.mx slash live, but I will probably switch over to Chatroll now that I'm paying for that premium service. Chatwing is a great option to consider, especially if you need something feature-rich for free and you don't mind a little bit of branding, their logos in there, then check out Chatwing. It's a great service. I think they are going to really improve it in the future. My third recommendation would be Chatango. This has been a long-time favorite for many live-streaming podcasters, and it went out of favor for a while because Chatango was originally Flash-based, but they've since updated it, so it's no longer a Flash platform, and now they have some really cool options for how you display your chat room. Like, you can display a chat panel like embed it on a page where people get to see the whole chat room you can have a little ticker along the bottom of your screen that displays the latest messages or top of the screen or some other portion of the screen or you can have a little pop out thing that displays your chat room only when someone wants to display it it's a great little platform completely free and it allows people to have a guest account if they want they don't have to sign in to chatango but it doesn't support social logins or single sign-on so for me I can't use it because of my particular needs, and I want people to be able to log in with Twitter or Facebook, so I can't use Chatango, but it might be something you would love for your own podcast live page if you decide to do this, and it's very easy to embed on your own slash live page. My fourth recommendation is a new player in the space. It's called FlyZoo. This is a beautifully designed service 
that has a growing list of features. It's very new, so I would expect to see new features being added as we go in the coming months and years. It is a premium-only service. It currently starts at $3.90 per month per website. So if you have multiple websites, then you do need to pay extra. It does have certain limitations like that $3.90 per month plan, which will eventually cost more, but it's limited to 25 concurrent users. And then you can upgrade for 50 users or 100 users, 300 users, and you get additional features with each of these upgrades. They do support single sign-on. They do support certain social logins like Twitter and Facebook. I just found that for my own needs, it wasn't quite what I wanted, especially since I have a need to have multiple chat rooms with the same features on different websites with different content. Like I have my once podcast chat room and then a live chat room. And I've thought about maybe doing some other stuff with chat rooms. And that would mean I'd end up having to pay additional for each chat room. Flyzoo could potentially become even more expensive than Chatwing when it comes to a per-site basis, depending on the features that I actually need. But Flyzoo still does look beautiful, and they have these really neat ways that they can embed it onto your site, like a little bar that floats on your page where people then can see the chat room, but minimize it. You can have group chats, which is a really cool thing, and certain other features. And all of these that I've mentioned are mobile-friendly. They are responsive. They are embeddable. That's ChatRoll, ChatWing, Chatango, and FlyZoo. Get the links to these in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 203. There are many other options that you could consider for your live streaming show, depending on your particular needs. And I'd love to hear from you. What else would you recommend for live streaming that's embeddable, responsive, meets all of these core requirements that I mentioned earlier that might be a suitable alternative to some of these solutions. Please comment on the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 203. That's also where you can get the links to all of these resources and check some of these things out for the free options, the paid options, and some of these other things like the WordPress plugin that I highly recommend ix show latest youtube i've got two announcements for you one is i'd like to know how do you use an ipad or some other tablet for podcasting with christmas coming up and this is my last episode before the new year i won't be back with the audacity to podcast until january and it's very possible you might have gotten a tablet during the black friday or christmas sales or you might have gotten one as a special gift or something like that And I want to have an episode specifically for those who have a tablet and want to use it for podcasting. So if you're already using a tablet for your podcast, I'd love to hear how you use it. I've already got a list of ways that you can use a tablet, but I really want to include your feedback too. So please email that as well as other questions or suggestions for future topics that I can cover in the Audacity to Podcast. Send it to feedback at the audacity to podcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or send a voice message through the website at the audacity to podcast.com. I am also really excited to announce that the pre-order is open 
for my upcoming complete SEO for podcasters video course. This is going to be more than three hours of content teaching you the specifics, how to set up your website for search engine optimization, how to set up your podcast feed so it will be more findable, how to use other platforms in order to dominate that first page of Google, how to do all of these things, some of them premium tools. Some of them are free tools that you can use, but it helps other people find your podcast and very importantly, what to do with this new incoming audience. Check out that over at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash SEO. It's on a pre-order sale through December 31st, 2014. Then it goes up to its full price and it will launch on January 6th. Check that out at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash SEO. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the audacity to podcast.com. Thank you for listening. The audacity to podcast is a proud member of noodle mix network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcast.com and watch for the upcoming CES 2015 coverage over at tpn.tv.